Next Chapter Podcast. Hi! So last week we indecent with Kiki Anderson the most. We were like the most on brand of this show's brand that we could possibly get. If you've been keeping up with our show, then you know that digging into the darker side of life is what we love to do. And boy, oh boy, are our fingernails dirty after talking to disinformation expert Bridget Todd. It's no surprise uh, that the interweb warps our brains, especially given how addicted we are to it. So as usual, here's our promised bonus content. This week, Bridget tells us all the ways we can and should make the internet work for us. It really is scary on the internet, right? At least I think so. I, I don't believe anything I read on Twitter because at least when they had fact checkers, like even though I didn't necessarily trust what's his face who used to run Twitter. Uh, oh, Jack, Jack Dorsey and his like little beanie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really trust him, but at least there was the illusion that things are being fact checked and that like right wingers aren't like actively being not just allowed to thrive, but like pushed to the forefront. Oh my gosh. This is like... I'll talk all day, but I'll just say I agree with you. Something recently, I, I can't remember what it was. It might have been the um, unrest in Paris. I was trying to follow developments of the unrest in Paris. And because of the new Twitter verification system where anybody can get a blue check mark, people with blue check verifications were saying things that were just not true. They were tweeting images from years ago and saying that they were happening right then, which was not true. And because they have bought blue check marks, those responses are algorithmically amplified in the feed. And so trying to use Twitter to follow an, a, an in real time breaking world event was a fool's errand. It's like, I don't know who is telling the truth and who is not. And the algorithm, because of this verification system, it's not helping me figure it out. In fact, it is amplifying people who are saying things that are not true precisely because they bought that blue check mark. So I would say to anybody listening, if you are trying to, if, if you are trying to use a platform to follow important breaking news, really think twice, like really think twice before you share things because I am, I consider myself an expert in misinformation. And yet I, I was having a hard time figuring out who was telling the truth, who was not. And I think that, I think that's by design. I think that Elon Musk does not want Twitter to be a platform where people can easily go to find accurate, timely information. And it is, it can be really dangerous. Like this is, this has real world impacts. We're what, like 65 days out from a presidential election. What's going to happen when somebody who looks legit, when, when a, an account that looks like it's CNN and has a blue check mark says that Donald Trump won or says that says, oh, there is a, 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 a mass voting irregularity. What's going to happen? I, I truly think that people have not grappled with the, the actual stakes of why this stuff matters IRL, not just online. As we get closer to an election, as people who are addicted to their phones and can't break up with Twitter, what do we do? What's a safe way to navigate the internet sphere? What's a safe way to engage? And maybe not safe, but thoughtful. Yeah, so I think my answer is one that I, I hope will be helpful to folks. It's been helpful to me as I navigate this very weird time in tech. If you are somebody who is able, right? So if you live someplace where there are people in your community who you, who are like you and that you feel that you feel seen by. If you're somebody who has the ability to get out and about, you know, there are people who maybe you're chronically ill or have a disability. And so getting out is like not as easy it is, as it is for some folks. That is totally valid. But if you're somebody who can be out IRL in your community, start doing that more. Because I think that we are in a place where 
it is going to be really important to lean on community. And I'm as much as I love the internet and I do love the internet, I think that online community is going to be harder and harder to find and thus more and more fractured and harder and harder to lean on. And we're going to need community in the next few years where we're all, you know, who knows what's going to be on the horizon, but I do know that we're going to need community. So I would say start spending less time on your screens. Think about what it is that makes your life feel full and meaningful and happy and fulfilled. I'd be willing to bet that as much as we love the internet, it is spending time with your friends and family out in your real world. And so really make intentions about filling your life with the things that feel good, that feel like community, that feel like hope, that keep you tapped in and engaged with the things that make your cup feel full. And I'd be willing to bet for most of us that it's not on the internet. So however you can, really prioritize the things in your real life and the connections in your real life that make you feel full. I love that. Yeah, I think it's really hard, especially in this new work from home culture that we feel, which I love, by the way. I don't ever want to go back to an office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never wearing a real bra again. That's over. Yeah, no, no, no. What? What's a bra? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you got to really find your community. And and then, and then I think you will naturally have a better experience on the internet, too. Exactly. And I think, like, when I... So I had the same problem where I was working from home, all of my interactions were happening on a screen. Like I did therapy on a screen. I hung out with my friends on a screen. Like everything was happening in the same, like, you know, small stretch of my apartment. Now that I'm getting out a little bit more, the things that happen online, they just feel, it's just easier to put them in perspective when they're up against, you know, seeing my real friends, seeing their faces, spending time with them, being out in my community, hanging out with my neighbors, going to the park, doing the things that I like. The stuff that happens on my screen, I can put it in. It's still important, but I, I just have an easier time putting it in perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I've spent too much time on the internet when all the jokes I've written for my set come from things that happened on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> That's a quick way to bomb. Because <laughs> <laughs> people are like, I don't follow these people and don't have a, a reference point for what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I was talking last night about like Doja Cat being mean to her fans and people were like, what? <laughs> That's like the most, that is like an online joke about an online person. It's like an online burrito, <laughs> like online wrapped in online. Yes, yes, the most online. I'm too online. I, you know, I got to take my own advice and your advice and just throw my phone away, honestly. <laughs> Go back to a flip phone. You're definitely not more online than Doja Cat. Just remember that. Fair, 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 fair. I also don't have 300,000 followers to lose. So, you know, you got to have the followers to lose the followers. <laughs> well, you know, you posted something interesting this week that made me think, because on the one hand, I really agreed with you. And then on the other hand, it gave me pause. Um, you had this clip where you were talking about how threads serves up content from people you don't follow. And I believe that you were like kind of critical about that, which I agreed with on the sense that like, yeah, like I kind of just want to see content from my friends and my favorite comedians and fuck everybody else. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, shouldn't we be trying to break up these silos and trying to get people to see like points of view of people they don't agree with? Totally. I'm so glad you asked. So my, my issue with the way that threads is doing it is that I don't trust Facebook's algorithm and Facebook's algorithm has been shown again and again and again to not be able to do that responsibly. And so I absolutely agree. Like one of my favorite social media platforms is TikTok. The way that TikTok works is that you are being surfaced on your for you page stuff that algorithmically they think like, oh, maybe you'll like this. Maybe you'll like that. That's not to say that algorithm 
algorithm is perfect because it certainly is not. It definitely surfaces content that I think can be full of things like conspiracy theories, hate speech, and misinformation. But I get a sense that like there is some intentionality going on there with what is being surfaced to you. I don't think that's the case with threads, right? When I logged on to threads that first day, I was getting surfaced content from like influencers I would never follow or like brands that I don't give a crap about. And so it didn't feel like any kind of intentional surfacing of content for me. It just felt like a lazy, shallow, like, well, here's all who's on threads. And just this is the content that you're going to be getting content that you have no interest in and don't really want to see. And I think that more importantly, why I have such a problem with that when it comes to, to Facebook meta owned platforms is that I don't think that it I don't think that it demonstrates care for the person making the content because when Instagram changed their algorithm algorithm so that you saw more content from like influencers and content creators that you've never engaged with before and aren't necessarily in your niche, like black queer trans cosplayers were getting co- like hate comments from people who were like, like, why is this in my feed? Like, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. And part of it is like, yeah, of course they're going to be leaving, like nobody should be leaving nasty comments. But if you have no interest in seeing black trans cosplayers, and for some reason, Instagram is surfacing that content to you, of course, you're going to be like, why am I being surfaced? This? So it, it, it demonstrates a lack of care for the person who is going out of their way to create content for this platform. And so I'm, I think that done responsibly and ethically, algorithmically generated content. I'm not against it, but the way that Facebook has demonstrated how they do it just is like a lack of care, a lack of intention, and really just overall laziness in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime Mark Zuckerberg says anything that sounds mildly like benevolent or good for society, (laughs) I'm like, where's the bottom line here? Who's paying you? Where are you making your money? What right-wing cause is funding you? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So why don't we create these spaces where we just thrive in our little communities instead of being in these platforms that everybody's on? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like it's a little above my pay grade, but I think that I don't know... I think it has to be a mix of both. I think that you have to know what you're looking for from your online experience to know where to go. There are def- like if there is a if something happens, like right now I'm on Trump indictment watch, right? If Trump gets indicted today or tomorrow, I want to be tapped into what everyone is saying. I want the smartest people. I want the constitutional scholars. I want like the smartest people, and those people might not necessarily be in my little community or my little silo, right? It's so why I in that use case I want to be tapped into like as many people's perspectives as I can. Let's say that something happens in like, I don't know, lesbian pop star relationship drama news, some a very niche interest of mine. I don't necessarily need to know what everybody thinks about that. I want to, I want to be tapped into my little community, know what the T is, right? And so I think mm-hmm. part of it is knowing what are you what are you looking to experience and how can you meaningfully tap into whatever the that experience actually is but i think right now we just don't really have that choice because it's just like here are your four main social media platforms that are all kind of big and all kind of fucked up and fall in their own ways and like that's what you have to choose from so bridget what is something that is indecent or taboo to you Ooh, something that is indecent or taboo to me is talking about the thing that we're all thinking, we've all experienced, but nobody is supposed to talk about. Talk about the thing. How many times have you been out and someone brings up something that like, you're not really supposed to talk about, not for polite society, and then somebody talks about it and then everybody's talking about it. And it feels so, 
you know, healing or connecting. So to me, indecent is talking about the thing that you're not supposed to talk about, but you want to talk about. Bridget, what do you want to talk about? Everything, all of it, all the <laughs> conversations that you're having. Yeah, that's real. I don't know. I grew up in a very uh, outlandish, out there household. So I don't understand that. <laughs> but I do. I am aware it happens for other people. <laughs> Wait, so is that, is, that, is that what drew you to have a show like Indecent? Like, you're like, I come from a, a, a crew of people who talk about it all. And we're talking about it. Yeah, I grew up with a like crazy Latin Jewish mom who nothing was ever off the table. Like Monica Lewinsky, you know, gave head to Bill Clinton. And I was like, what's the blowjob? And she explained it to me. Like nothing's ever been off the table. <laughs> it's so funny that you use that as an example because I have a visceral memory of being a child when that was happening and not understanding. Like I was like, I would watch the news and I'd be like, what are they talking about that she did to him? And I knew it had something to do with that stained dress. Like I was like, I know that, I know that's part of it, but I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time trying to like put two and two together to figure out what they were all talking about. I should have been coming over to your house for dinner. Uh, your parents might've had some complaints about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm better or worse for the way that I was raised, but I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review Indecent with Kiki Anderson anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow the show at Indecent Kiki on Instagram. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson. And email the show at IndecentThePod at gmail.com. Come back next week for more Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.